Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And I cannot wait to introduce you to my guest today. This is someone who introduced a new food item to me. I didn't even know this existed before I visited her establishment, but now I crave it because it is so simple yet so brilliant. I can't believe it's not more prevalent, but through her business, Carter and Rye, Kate Anderson is trying to change that and introduce hand pies to the world. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for that amazing introduction. It is well-deserved. Thank you. So, I, I, I want to give people an introduction to hand pies yeah. if, they, if they're not familiar. So in the March in March of 2019, you started selling hand pies at the Exarban Farmers Market, and that business has grown exponentially. We're going to talk about that, but I think first we need to talk about what exactly is a hand pie. Like what I think most people trying to describe it for the first time might fall back and say like, oh, it's kind of like a pop tart or a hot pocket or yeah. something like that. But it is so much more. What makes a hand pie different from those items or any kind of like pastry casing that someone has experienced previously? For sure. No, that's a great question. Um, we always say a hand pie is a pie that fits in the palm of your hand, but I don't know that that fully describes it either. I've been searching for the best way to describe it. Um, Definitely a homemade Pop-Tart also encompasses the idea of it. Um, buttery, flaky pastry with, you know, all our handmade from scratch ingredients. Um, and yeah, I'm still searching for the best way to describe it. But one of uh, the gals that I work with, she always says it's like all your childhood memories wrapped up in a, like, in a pastry. And I love describing it that way because I think that just really encompasses what a hand pie is that actually is perfect i was gonna ask you a question about that a little bit further on but since yeah. you segued so beautifully yeah. <laughs> to it i'm gonna go to it right now cool with each hand pie i do feel like there's like a feeling of nostalgia that comes with it like with the strawberry i get kind of i have the memory of like as kids growing up we would always have strawberry pop tarts totally. for breakfast so like that comes in with the apple pie hand pies i feel like i'm eating grandma's hap- uh, homemade apple pie, which no offense, grandma, this might be a little bit better, but she, she won't listen to this. I hope. Or like there's some where I feel like I'm eating mom's beef stroganoff or a Philly cheesesteak on a Thursday night or something like totally. that. What is it about hand pies that give them the power to evoke memories and nostalgia? Do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, I am just, I'm a very nostalgic person. I love thinking back on like the foods that brought me up. And then I think also, 
food is just such a powerful tool in connecting with other humans. So, um, yeah, I, I try and drum that up, I guess, when we're coming up with recipes. So I use sort of where I came from and like the food I grew up on, pretty Midwestern, hearty, comforting, buttery. (laughs) Um, so I try to, I try to incorporate that, but then I've also partnered with some different chefs, um, to make different fillings so that we can kind of, you know, drum up nostalgia in, in everyone. Um, so yeah, I think that they're, the hand pies are a tool. They're a vessel in order to like create nostalgic experiences. The buttery flaky dough itself, pretty much no matter what you put in it, it feels like, I think it feels comforting. And also like, I think here in the Midwest, we all like had pie growing up, right? Like Thanksgiving. I mean, in a lot of places, right? And then also, I think in a lot of cultures, there are similar pastries. So it just feels like a language that people, or, you know, it's a food that everyone can relate to. Right. Yeah. Are you more of a sweet or savory hand I'm, pie person? Yeah, good question. I'm a, I'm definitely a savory hand pie person. And just in general, I always want the savory, not the sweet. But now that we've been making, you know, all our jams are made from scratch for the sweet pies, too. They're just, they're next level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I'm the same way. I would definitely tend to trend towards the savory, although the sweet are very good. And I want to give people a couple examples uh, of what we're talking about here, just in case they're not aware of what can come in a hand pie. Some of the sweet options, brown sugar cinnamon, which is my personal favorite, cherry, raspberry, basically any kind of fruity jam yeah. eventually will make its way into Absolutely. a Carter and Rye hand pie. Some examples of savory ones, Philly cheesesteak, Mushroom pot pie, ham, egg, and cheese, spinach, and artichoke dip, hash brown casserole. That was my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the funza. Oh, the funza. Which I'm sure everyone knows exactly what we're talking yes. about when we mention that. So yeah. th- th- those are just a couple examples to to wet the palate of anyone <laughs> listening. So I've honestly not had many pastries, whether it's something from a pastry shop or a uh, um, a homemade pie that are as buttery and flaky and chewy as a Carter and Rye ham pie. It's it's weird because it's like it's firm enough to hold together, yet when you bite into it, it's like supple enough that it almost like dissolves in your mouth. Totally. How long did it take to develop that science? Because that's a really hard place to get to. That's, yeah. I honestly, there are, are parts of me that appreciate its simplicity. Like the recipe is quite simple. Um, I wouldn't say it took me, you know, years to develop this recipe or anything. Like I think that you can kind of play around with, you know, flaky pie dough recipes and accomplish what we accomplish. Um, There's, you know, it's a little tricky to figure out with the fillings, like if they're a little too moist or, you know, a little too dry, then it doesn't quite flow the same way. But yeah, I would say like the recipe itself is simple and that's I I'm proud of that. Like I don't I don't want it to be overcomplicated. I want it to be approachable in like from the back of house experience but also like for the customer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's I mean I I think everyone could go make a batch of hand pies if they wanted to, but I don't know how many people are doing that, so we offer that, you know. Um, Why would they make their own when they can come get yours? Exactly. That just doesn't make (laughs) any sense. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so Carter and Rye offers four different ham pies each week, two sweet, two savory, and they rotate constantly. So yeah. every every Thursday, there's a new menu drop, and I anxiously await this on Instagram to see what's going to be available inside these pastries. You mentioned this a little bit earlier in that so many of the flavors are inspired by things of your childhood or maybe other chefs that you've worked with or you've interacted with. But, I mean, when you're churning out four different ones or at least three different ones every week. That's a lot of hand pies over the last couple of years. Where does all the inspiration come from and Mm. how do you come up with the different flavors? Yeah. um, Honestly, up to this point, I've just mostly been thinking about stuff that I love to eat that I get really excited about. So, you know, in Omaha for a while, I was looking for like the best Cubano and then, and then that inspired me to do a Cubano filling. Um, and then also seasonal stuff is a big thing for us. Like at the farmer's market every week, we would go shop at all the different stands and kind of see what was in season. And we'd talk to the farmers about what they were excited about. So when we did the Philly cheesesteak, that was because they had all these beautiful peppers and we were like, we got to cook with those peppers. What can we do? And so, yeah, it's like just, and yeah, Philly cheesesteaks. I don't, I've not actually had one in Philly before, but, um, I know, (laughs) I know a good Philly cheesesteak. So it was just like, let's just recreate that. So yeah, looking to the environment for inspiration and then also collaborating with the folks that are helping me prep, um, and coming up with new ideas. This last week, we actually did a braised, uh, apple cider braised pork with, um, fresh apples and caramelized onions. Oh my God. And it was next level. And that was really just like talking with, um, my buddy in the kitchen and decided to slow, you know, slow cook that all day and then put it into a hand pie. Yeah. So collaboration, I think is what inspires me. And then also, um, yeah, farmer's markets and the food that's available, the meat and the cheese and the vegetables that are available locally. Okay. So first, what was the result of your mission to find the best Cubano in Omaha? That is such a good question. Okay. Still working on it? Or, I, I, okay, you got a list. I did find what I thought was the best, and now I can't think of the name. Was it at the Hunger Block? That is really delicious. That would be my personal favorite. Yeah. I, I have not tried them all, though. You might be more of an expert than me. I'm. I There's a place, I think it's off of, it's not off of 24th, but it's down like a couple blocks, maybe 22nd and I or something. I'm going to look it up. Okay. <laughs> while you look that up, yes. while, while you look that up yeah. let me ask my next question. So, yeah. like... In the example of this slow braised pork mm-hmm. with the caramelized onions, mm-hmm. you said you kind of developed that on the fly with somebody back in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. How does that conversation start? Like, mm. does somebody just propose, hey, I, I've been thinking about pork this week. Like, mm-hmm. that could go really well in a hand pie. Or like just, and then does it just bounce back and forth? Like, how does the conversation start and then develop into here's what we're actually going to put in there? Totally. That's a great question. So this week, the conversation was, it's Halloween. (laughs) Like, we have to do something for Halloween. And so I was like, we're definitely going to introduce the the maple bourbon pumpkin Um, this week. We hadn't done it yet. We're a little late to the game, I think, on the pumpkin spice game. But then I was like, but savory, like, what encompasses Halloween? And he was like... I don't know why, but I'm going to say apples for sure and pork. And I was like, yes, totally. And then, yeah, we just kind of went back and forth. I don't, I think it, I think collaboration happens 
naturally with um, people that think about food and enjoy food. And you can kind of just bounce ideas off of each other. Because then it was like, well, what about apple cider? Like, that's definitely fall. That's definitely Halloween. And so then we talked about apple cider. But then we were like, we should do some, like, traditional like a hot apple cider cider and then we should do some boozy apple cider and then that could incorporate the local apple cider from glacial till and that felt exciting so yeah it was just kind of we build off of each other i guess that's beautiful yeah it's really nice i don't think the, the company would be the same without um input from everyone All right yeah Okay, we're going to do, now that everyone's palates are very awakened, because this has been a very tempting conversation (laughs) so far, we're going to try something new on the podcast, and that is offer just an amazing deal to anyone who's listening to this. So if you go to restauranthoppen.com right now, that's restauranthoppen.com, my last name, there's going to be a subscribe link. If you click on that for only $10 a week, you will receive each week, an incredible deal at the amazing local restaurant or purveyor that I'm speaking with. So the deal this week, Kate, is anyone who comes in will, the week after this is recorded, will receive a free brown sugar cinnamon hand pie with the order of any hand pie purchase. That is, an, yeah. that is an incredible deal. <laughs> like when you said that, I was like, that is so perfect. Anyone who's listening to this and doesn't take advantage of that is insane. <laughs> so again, go to restauranthoppin.com, click the subscribe link, $10 a week. I mean, you can already cover it right there with just going and getting some hand pies. And yeah, that's awesome. Come, come try our, our signature flavor, the brown sugar cinnamon hand pie. It's so good. That's the one that got me hooked on yeah. Cardinara. I came yeah. in and got one of those because the people at Canara, and uh-huh. we're going to give a shout out to yes, them later. we should. But Ashish and Kim talked about it, and I was like, okay, I got to go try one. I got the brown sugar cinnamon, and now I'm, I'm hooked for <laughs> He's life. Hooked. I see him often. Yes. <laughs> All right, back to the show. Personal favorite flavors over the Ooh, years. Yes. Like, when I say that, I know that there have to be two or three at least that just pop to the front of your mind. What are they? Yeah. So, for the savory, we I, I really love the sausage, kimchi, egg, and cheese. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm obsessed with kimchi, and that's one of the first flavors we did back in 2019 when we started the farmer's market. And... Yeah, it's just there's something about the way that those flavors go together. Sausage, kimchi, egg, and cheese. I mean, like, if you make a breakfast, you should try it. (laughs) But also you should come get a hand pie that has those things in it. That's number one for me. Um, And then we just recently did a, we called it autumn cherry and goat cheese. And it was a sweet variety. And we mixed our cherry jam with goat cheese, candied oranges, and pecans. Oh, wow. And... It was just so delicious. I love I love goat cheese, and I love goat cheese with sweet things like honey or homemade jam. So anyway, I would say that's up there. And then I love just like the raspberry because that tart jam with the buttery flaky dough, it's just like a perfect combination. And then you just got that sprinkle of sugar on top exactly. for just enough sweetness. Yes, it's yeah. very, very good. Yeah. Off the top of your head, are there any ham pies that you kind of developed in your head and you're like this is a little bit weird I don't know if this is gonna work but let's just try it and then they ended up like selling extremely well and surprised you in a positive way well I guess this is just like 
top of on mind. the top of my mind. Yeah, what is that saying? <laughs> um, at the top of my head, because we did this last week, we did a um, like a harvest. We called it a harvest moon scramble, and we had or no, I'm sorry, harvest moon root scramble, and there were um, sweet potatoes and mushrooms and beets and goat cheese and scallions and scrambled eggs all in there, and I was worried that people wouldn't order it because of beets which I know can be hit or miss, but then like every person was like, I love beets and like we sold <laughs> out of them. So yeah, I guess that surprised me. Usually it surprises me when we throw in like an odd vegetable. I'm always like, will people be into this? Um, but up to this point, I think people are excited by um, just like, you know, incorporating different things. And then also the classics are always there. We always do those, you know, on a consistent basis. So like, if we don't have sausage, egg, and cheese one week, we probably will the next week. So I'm sure we draw different customers based on the menu, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of Carter and Rye is that even if you, like, look at the Instagram post one week and you're like, ah, oh, none of these are really speaking to me, next week, three of them might just be like, I need that. Exactly. So it's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. Yeah. But you also bring the favorites back. So, right. like, if somebody has a sausage egg and kimchi and they're like i need this every week maybe they can't get it every week yeah. but they can get it once a month or exactly. something along those lines it will be back yeah and a lot of people during those times they'll come in and they'll get a frozen six pack of the sausage egg and cheese so they have it on hand at their house because we sell them hot and we also sell them cold and they reheat extremely well yeah. in only about 10 minutes or yeah. so i can confirm that yes so. yes let's get into the backstory of carter and rye yeah. um you started this business with uh one of your best friends sarah ryan mm -hmm. a few years ago how yeah. did the idea come about originally yeah originally we worked together at a coffee shop and i was doing pastries and she was managing um the coffee side of things and so we always just kind of were like should we do something should we start something and we had an opportunity to um, get into the farmer's market with this sort of, I mean, it was just kind of like a passing idea or thought. Um, but basically, we decided to take the best-selling items and make a business out of it. So we knew at the coffee shop the things that sold the best were probably the savory pies and um, cold brew coffee. So when we first started out, that's what we focused on. Um, so we were doing cold brew coffees with some fun syrups and stuff, and then the hand pies. She uh, moved away. We're still great friends. But since then, I've really just, like, focused on the hand pies, and now we're partnering with local coffee companies um, because, yeah, I'm, I'm just really passionate about the pies, and I love working with other people who are passionate about their craft. And then when you bring it together, it's a great, uh, it's a great partnership. Mm-hmm. I know you said that the the recipe for the dough itself isn't overly complicated, mm -hmm. but it is, I mean, it's important. It is the structure on which the entire hand pie is built. And I believe I saw on Instagram, it's, you guys had a post that said that the recipe was developed in 2013. How much tweaking and experimenting did you have to go through until you reached that final product where you're like, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is what we're going to establish our yeah. business on yeah so it's a recipe I kind of had in my back pocket for many years um and I would say the development of that recipe wasn't complex I mean truly it's just I did probably <laughs> like 
you know, maybe under 10 different recipes. And I was, I tried fillings in them and I saw how they baked and I looked at the layers and kind of like how that, you know, how those things work together. And there was just like a clear winner um, with our dough and it didn't shrink as much and it just seemed like malleable and easy to work with. So anyway, with that, I knew I, I knew the product. I knew that I like loved that product. I love making pies. I love making whole pies too. I just like love pie. <laughs> and so when we were talking about this business and we were talking about a farmer's market business and a business that could grow, we wanted to use a product that could, um, like that we wouldn't waste a lot of. And that was really crucial too. Um, because I think one thing in food business is like waste is a huge thing. And, and also it's just like watching your product be thrown away is so sad. And, you know, so anyway, our product, we can freeze. And so that's another good thing about our dough is that we make it, we bake it and we freeze it and then it's good to go. So we pretty much have zero waste. Um, and you can't do that with like every pastry dough. Pastry dough can be like really delicate. So that's another reason why I love our dough. <laughs> it works out great. Yeah. Okay. So once you come up with the business idea and you and Sarah say, hey, we're doing this. We're doing mm-hmm. this hand pies and cold brew thing. Mm-hmm. Where do you even start? Like what's the first step that you take? Yeah. So we applied to get into the Exarban Farmer's Market. That was kind of like... Honestly, if we didn't get in, we probably wouldn't have started this business. We knew we were both working full time. We were like, if we could do this side business on the weekends, you know, nights and weekends, then then we'll start this business. So we had applied back in 2019. We were, um, yeah, we applied to the farmer's market for that season. We knew that the farmer's market was looking for more like hot food options. So we thought we might have some edge. And yeah, we ended up getting in which I think it's a pretty competitive thing. I would imagine so. Yeah, Yeah, pretty limited space and stuff like that. So anyway, um, that's where we started. (laughs) And with that, like we went from not knowing what to expect to selling out every single Sunday. And then, yeah, that was just, we tried to build a lot of um, excitement about it on social media. We had a good following and then we would release our flavors and we'd be there every week and people would come stock up. So we just kind of, it was like we were, testing this side hustle at the time um we were just testing it out to see if people liked the product which i think was crucial in it being successful still two years later um slow growth you know um yeah so that's where we started and then yeah we also were renting a kitchen so we didn't have a bunch of overhead costs um we rented a kitchen by the hour and that allowed us to use it when we needed it and when we were busy and then not have a bunch of um, overhead costs if we weren't busy. One of the most fun things I think about coming into the shop now is almost every time I've been there, when I'm ordering and or talking to you, someone kind of stumbles in. Yeah. And they, they're looking around and you say hi to them and they're like, hey, what is this place? Like, yeah. What do you sell here? And then you kind of walk them through the menu. But there's there's always someone who finds it and there's kind of like this exploratory stage where they're figuring out what they're looking at and then they're like okay give me that that and that yeah so i I would take me back to that first farmer's market when no one has any idea what Uh carter and rye is because it's brand new hand pies 
maybe they're more prevalent than I realize, and I'm just blind to it, but the idea is not, I don't see a ton of hand pies in Omaha. So at this first farmer's market, what was people's response? Were they all just kind of walking up and being like, what is this? Or were they all in because they could smell it? Or what was it like? The smells definitely help. I think most people at the market, they would get, you know, wafts of the buttery smells. And then at the shop, when they walk in, they're like, yes, this smells good. I want this. Um, But yeah, I think people don't, necessarily know but once they once they see our you know our samples or um once they look at the menu and read the ingredients I think it doesn't feel too like I think everybody's willing to like dip their toe in and at least try one it's simple to understand yeah yeah so um I think I think what confuses people more is like that's all you have like you just have these these things that yeah, I can eat in the car <laughs> on, you know, it's like a handheld pastry, um, but it's different than like a croissant or um, a bagel, you know, like your classic breakfast item. So anyway, people are learning, I think, slowly. And when you say it's like a homemade Hot Pocket or a homemade Pop-Tart, people are like, oh, OK, I'm on board because that is familiar. So as as the weeks go on at the farmer's market, do you start to see repeat customers over and over again? Oh, yeah. Yes. So... The farmer's market has been amazing and I would say crucial to the growth, the development of the business um, because we had a ton of repeat customers in 2019 and then 2020 was a little off just with COVID and stuff. But um, even there, we, we did, we had repeat customers. We did, um, we did most of the markets this year and we just were able to like build such a good rapport with people that they could then come back to the farmer's market the next week or they could come to the shop. So now, just in 2021, we opened a brick and mortar off of 35th and Center. And so we weren't available just one time a week at the farmer's market. And that has just like been amazing for us. And the community has really shown up. And yeah, so a lot of our farmer's market customers would try one or two at the farmer's market and then they'd come to the shop the next week and grab a whole box of them. So, yeah, I mean, repeat customers. I mean, sometimes we would see people the same, you know, like 30 minutes later. They, oh, <laughs> they really? would, like, get back in line and order another one. They're like, wow, that's good. Like, can I buy a box, you know? Um, and, yeah, it's that's very validating, for sure. I think it's so, especially with a business like yours, it's so crucial to kind of establish a relationship with customers where they're, sure. not, they're not only trying the food, but, like, they're meeting you. They're putting a face to the mm-hmm. business and they're experiencing this food as they walk around the farmer's market. Do yeah. you think that Carter and Rye would have been as successful if you just opened a brick and mortar right away versus starting in the farmer's market arena? I don't think so. I mean, I I mean, I would hope so, I guess, but I, I really agree with what you're saying. Like, it's so important to connect and I think that also, people are, are looking for kind of a different experience um, or like the pop-up is really like a kind of a new craze in the food world and people get excited about it because it's like limited and special and, you know, you sell out. But it means that like someone that really cares about what they're doing is doing that and making it and testing it out and you want to support that. So anyway, I think like that sort of startup food model is like really supported in our community. Omaha's amazing. They love supporting small startup food businesses like that. So I think having that kind of person as a customer and testing it out at the market was 
crucial and it really laid the foundation for our brick and mortar. And I think like we're similarly having that experience at our brick and mortar because we have pretty limited hours. Um, and I think that's good. I, I do hope to expand those hours and days um, as we can adjust and level up our business. Um, but it is, I think people want to be a part of it because they know that like they're facilitating our growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I just want to fill people in right now because we've mentioned the location, we've mentioned the menus, we mentioned the hours. I would say probably the best place to stay up to date on all things Carter and Rye would be following you on Instagram. And that is just Carter and the word and and then Rye, R-Y-E on Instagram. I would heavily encourage everyone listening to this to do that right now. And then you're up to date on the menu, you're up to date yeah. on hours, you're up to date on everything. Yeah. Um, speaking of Instagram, I went mm-hmm. back to one of your original posts mm-hmm. near the start of the business. And I found a quote that said, we believe that sweet and savory hand pies are our vehicle to ethical and transparent business practices within the food industry. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty important and heavy quote. Can mm-hmm. you unpack that a little bit for me? Yeah. Yeah. So really the backbone of the business just from like a personal standpoint has been to build a sustainable food business that um, supports myself and future employees um, in a, in a like proper way. I feel that the food industry doesn't always take care of its people. And that's been like a major issue. And I think um, the last year and a half has really like brought that to light um, how difficult it is to live on you know a wage from a restaurant job or the food industry jobs um even worse in agriculture and um, meat packing and stuff like that so yeah the reason I started this business was because I wanted to create a business that could properly sustain myself and then therefore like thereafter a lot of other people so that's the goal for me is to pay people well and um not make them work a million hours and hate their lives (laughs) (laughs) those are good goals thank you (laughs) yeah yeah I just think that we draw I think the food industry draws a certain kind of person um because you have to be super flexible and you have to work crazy hours you have to be on your feet all the time and you're probably not getting health insurance and you're probably not making very much money and able to support your family. So so I just think it limits like who you can draw into the industry, even though there are a ton of people that love food and make amazing food and you know want to work in the industry. They like can't. So anyway, my vision for the for the company is to grow um much beyond what it is now. Um, you know, myself and a few part-time employees, <laughs> um, to be a place where you know, we can, we can actually take care of people. And, um, yeah, so we've built that into the model now. Um, it's a very small team, but, um, paying people well, making sure that the quality of life is good, like work-life balance is proper and that, uh, people can, yeah, feel supported and, you know, uh, live off of, live off of their job, which is like a pretty basic need. Right. Yeah. And there's so much truth to what you're saying. And I think, we're seeing that uh, just really played out right now in the current um, staffing environment for restaurants. So many restaurants, totally. even great restaurants, are having trouble finding staff because people have just realized that it, as a whole, 
the industry sometimes does not prioritize salaries or uh, healthy work-life balance Mm -hmm. or mental health, things like that. So I think that the establishments that are doing those things are starting to get recognized for it. And they're the ones who are bringing in the quality employees. So I commend you on getting ahead of the train when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, I think that the biz, the uh, industry has, or at least is trying to um, change that. And I think younger people are really valuing that. I mean, food is tough because the margins are so small and you see restaurants and food businesses fail all the time. So it's not easy. And I think that's kind of why I started slow. Like I want to make sure I can support myself before I, before I create a business that's like not sustainable and then it just has to pay people poorly. And anyway, yeah, <laughs> could talk about it for a long time. Apparently <laughs> you can keep going. No, if you I'm want good. To. Yeah, okay. that's good. <laughs> okay. Um, so in 2019, your first season, you did 22 farmers markets in addition mm-hmm. to several other pop-ups just throughout the year. Looking back, what was the most important lesson you think you learned in that first year? Hmm. I think the most important lesson is probably, it's like twofold. You have to have a really good product that people want to buy. <laughs> but it can't just be that. Like you have to have a really good experience. Like people want to, yeah, they want more than just a good product. And myself included. Like I want a good product but I also want like a good well-rounded experience and like I want to have fun and I want to feel good about spending that money so anyway I guess it's sort of like what I learned that first year is like providing the whole thing like you have to provide the whole thing you have to make people feel good and you have to give them something that they'll want to come back for Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it seems like really basic but it's it's I guess it's just like so important to provide that otherwise yeah what Like, why do I go back to the places I go back to is because the food is good and because like, yeah, I feel a part of something. No, I I think that's 100% true. Like when you were describing people coming to the farmer's market and getting a ham pie and just like walking around looking at the other booths and then potentially coming back for another one, like that resonated so heavily with me because that just, that sounds appealing. Just like casually walking around, you got something clean in your hand that you can eat or Mm -hmm. like... One of my favorite experiences with, with the ham pies, and this is something that I remember, is um, for a Husker game one time this year, I came in and got some frozen ones, and we had, uh, my wife and I had my father-in-law over for dinner, yeah. and he never had ham pies. He had no idea what they were, so he was kind of like in this. What for are the, you making? Yeah, me? he was in this for the first time, and making heating those up and serving them to him, and he loved them. Like ha- sharing that experience around this Husk game, which was like the one, it was the Northwestern game, the one Nebraska oh, yeah. game that went well this year. Uh-huh. Like that was, a, that's a memory that yeah. got created and it's something that we associate with your business now. So that's, that's amazing. It's I, random and it's fun. Yeah. So happy we could be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned that your partner, Sarah, she, she moved in 2020. Yep. Um, what was your mindset when that happened? I know that she was obviously a very integral part of the business. You said you guys are still friends. Was there any thought to, I can't do this without her, or I'm just, I got to charge ahead. I got to keep doing this. Like, where was your mindset mm-hmm. at at that point? Yeah, um, I definitely, I mean, we were both excited when she decided to move back to where she's from. We were both excited for me to like, you know, keep carrying that on. 
Um, because yeah, it's just what I wanted, but there was definitely some self doubt, like, can I do this on my own? Um, but that's when I realized like, I'm not on my own. And I think this community is like really supportive. And then like just having a lot of really good connections with people. Um, and then, yeah, people offering to help in any way that they could, um, just to kind of like ease that transition. So anyway, my goal in early 2020 was to like go full steam ahead, you know, full time. I just left my job and then the pandemic hit. So that was crazy because that was just a few months into the year. And I, yeah, so I think that threw everyone through a loop, but in the end, like it sort of helped me realize like, and yeah, I was able to like continue on the path fortunately of like pursuing the business on my own. And I think was, I could be really intentional about how to grow it then because the world kind of stopped for a few months for everyone. Um, so anyway, it was a tough decision, I guess, in some ways, but I knew that I would keep doing it and keep growing it. Was there any point in 2020 where you just realized, you know what, I've got this, where maybe the doubt doesn't go away entirely because we all have self-doubt, but it was like, no, I have this. I can still make this thing a success. Totally. Um, I would say like three months into opening the brick and mortar, or I'm sorry, I'm thinking of 2021. That's okay. I mean, if if that if that's a thing that comes to mind, let's talk yeah, about that. Yeah. So I would say in 2020, I didn't really know what was happening. <laughs> I'm not sure any of us knew. Um, but in 2021, I would say like I felt very validated and sure of growing the business when we opened our doors around Valentine's Day. And like three, four months later, we were still selling out every weekend. And I was like, oh man, like this is, I didn't, I really didn't know what to expect, you know, back in February of this year, even just because, yeah, everyone's habits have changed a little bit and we had such limited hours. I was like, this will wear off, but it didn't wear off and it still hasn't worn off. So anyway, I think that that was like, that's been really awesome to see this year is just like, we can work we're just going to keep making as many pies as we can. And we're just going to keep selling out and we're just going to do that every week mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, keep growing the business from there, trying to add more hours so that we can make more pies and sell more pies. And yeah. Going back to the start of the brick and mortar. Um, at what point did you arrive at the realization that, Hey, maybe this thing has grown bigger than farmer's markets and we, and we should be looking into a brick and mortar And then how did the opportunity to find that physical location come about? Yeah. Um, So I always thought about having my own brick and mortar. Um, And then this opportunity kind of like fell into my lap. I feel very lucky um, for the situation. I am uh, just like family friends with the landlord and... um, the building itself they purchased and want to make updates to potentially add on another business to I'm not really sure of the future of the building but in the meantime they were like do you want to use this space like could you use this space and it just was like a conversation that started and then grew to be the home of Carter and Rye for now (laughs) Um, so anyway that's I mean I don't know that the space would have worked for many businesses because, yeah, we produce all our product at a rental kitchen anyway. 
So like we have kind of, you know, two locations slash three if you include the farmer's market. So anyway, it just worked out perfectly. Like, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think we'll be here forever. Um, I hope that someday our production kitchen and our retail space can be in the same place. But yeah, um, for the time being, it's really cool. We're using a, we're using a spot that may have just sat empty otherwise. And yeah, we're just really lucky to be in the spot that we're in. Something that we absolutely have to talk about is your tagline. I'm the hot one. (laughs) And I originally thought that that was in reference to the hand pies themselves because they are warm and that kind of evokes, that brings out that butteriness and that flakiness we've talked so many times about. Mm -hmm. But looking over your social media, it's Mm -hmm. it's more than that. It's kind of a personal mantra for you. So I'm just going to open up the floor. What does I'm the hot one mean to you and why has that become like your rallying cry? Yeah. Uh, When we started, we just wanted to have like a power statement. We just, I mean, it goes into the, like, what I was saying about providing an experience for people. Um, we want it to be fun. We want people to feel good about themselves, right? So that was sort of why we incorporated it. It was kind of like a, a personal mantra for me for a while when I felt like I needed a little, like, reminder that, like, I was capable of starting this business and doing this thing, you know. I have imposter syndrome like everyone else about a lot of things, so. Hand-raised. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, it's hard to believe things, but sometimes if you just repeat it over and over and over, you start to believe them. And so anyway, we, we decided to have a power statement and stamp it all on, on all our bags. And, you know, we had little buttons for a long time that we would hand out at the farmer's market that just said the hot one. And, you know, I think people got into it. It was, it was the experience that, um, yeah, that got people to come back. Mm-hmm. And feel part of a community and, and yeah, feel good about themselves. It's so interesting. You, you just said feel part of a community. And there is someone else at my work. She's heavily involved with junk stock, which, oh, cool. which you guys have we did. popped up at before. And she has a, a one of those buttons on her backpack that just yes. says, I'm the hot one. And yes. it doesn't say anything about Carter and Rye. It just says, I'm the hot one. But I saw that. And I had to ask her about it. I was like, hey, you know Carter and Rye. And yeah. we had like a conversation about it back and forth. So... That's cool. I mean, that's just one little example of that opportunity and what it can create. And Mm -hmm. I think this kind of plays into something that I see pretty frequently on your social media is that you're very transparent. Mm -hmm. You share your personal thoughts. You share your wins. You Mm -hmm. share your struggles. You're you're just open and you, you talk about things that a lot of other businesses maybe aren't willing to talk about, but Mm. you're open and transparent. Was that an intentional decision by you or did it just kind of happen organically? I, I would say it's both. I, I really want to be transparent in a way that feels authentic. And I think sometimes it, you know, on social media, that's a delicate dance. Like it can feel forced too. So anyway, I try to just, I mean, social media and posting and engaging in that way can be sort of like tiring sometimes. Um, but I kind of just came up with some like, boundaries for myself and about posting and like trying to have, you know, put out there the things that mean the most to me and mean the most, I think, to the business and like the people that are working for the business. Um, And yeah, I, I want to be, I want it to feel like we're friends, you know, like I want people to come in and feel like 
we're friends and they, you know, like we can share how we feel about things and, you know, maybe we agree on some stuff and maybe we don't agree on some stuff. Like it just, I think food is this like vessel for conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I really value that as a human. And so I would love the business to also, um, have that effect. Mm -hmm. I think it, it definitely makes the business more approachable. It kind of, it's the social media like side of what you're providing at the farmer's market and that it's not just the food, but it's that personal connection. It's establishing a relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in the same way with social media, but I think the way that you, the conversations that you have on social media are productive in a similar fashion. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice to hear. I mean, I, I do hope that, people can get a sense of what the experience will be like. And yeah, maybe it draws them in or makes them feel, you know, invited in to our shop. Okay. Uh, as we wind down here, I, w again, want to give a shout out to Ashish and Kim at Kanara because yes. they are fantastic people and they're the ones who got Carter and Rye on my radar. You also did a collaboration with them that I'm absolutely kicking myself that I missed yes. uh, a couple months ago. You've also done collaborations in the past with Coneflower where you paired your apple pie with their vanilla ice cream for like a hand pie a la mode, which had me drooling as I did my research yes. last night. Yes. Um, how did those partnerships come about and are there any future collaborations in the works that we should get excited about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Kinara and um, Ashish reached out to me to do a pop-up out there. So we did a pop-up there in 2020. Um, when the times were rough, uh, we set up our farmer's market pop-up basically outside and we're just slinging hand pies and he did a special brunch menu and he made the chicken, chicken tikka masala and the paneer tikka masala fillings, um, for the hand pies. And so, yeah, it was just different and fun. And I think, you know, he wanted to like draw different customers to his business and I wanted to draw different customers to my business. So we were like, this is a win-win, let's do this. So we ended up doing that a few times. And yeah, the flavor is just like incredible because he makes amazing food. Um, and then, yeah, like we were out West, whereas like mostly we've been in East Omaha. So that was good for us and vice versa, you know? Um, I think the more collaborations you can do, the better. Um, with Coneflower, I've known Katie, who is one of the owners there for a long time. And she and I both went to Metro in Omaha, their culinary program. So anyway, we've just always had that dialogue. And, you know, last year, I think she was just like, we should do pie and ice cream. Like, of course we should do something. Uh -huh. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, then that naturally kind of just came about. She was like, can I put in an order for this? What do you think about this? Like they ended up doing a Sunday with, I think there was like caramel sauce and uh, like brown butter ice cream with our, um, with our peach. We got local peaches, peach hand pie. Mm. So anyway, yeah, really fun. And I think it just elevates each product and, and then it helps each business owner too. Well, that's just another reason to follow Carter on Rye on social media yes. because we can keep an eye out for future collaborations. Yes, hopefully. yes, there should be some. I'm not sure what's on the books yet, but there we don't, will we be don't more. need to divulge any secrets. Yeah, yeah. This, just, <laughs> this is a, a, a call to action for people to follow. There so we now, go. Now they can follow. All right, two more questions, and I'll get you out of here because cool. these are the two things I like to ask 
all restaurant business owners, restaurateurs. The first one, what is one thing that most people don't know about the restaurant industry or the hospitality industry that you wish they knew? Mm. I'd like people to know, I'm going to kind of repeat, I think, what we were talking about before, um, but I think everyone should know (laughs) in the world that working in the food industry um, is really hard work. (laughs) Um, And I think that's, I think most people know that, maybe at a surface level, um, for some and others more deeply. But yeah, I would say, like, so when you go out to eat, when you like participate in the system, like just, I think like a little goes a long ways with that. So whether you tip a little extra or like ask a, you know, about like a personal question or try to connect in a different way, like, I guess like as an industry, we take care of others, but I think like when the customer kind of also tries to take care of you, that's just like a really wonderful thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it should be a symbiotic relationship in which each side is building the other up. And that is a beautiful answer, one that is frequently said on here. It's so simple that just like this job is really hard. I do think Mm -hmm. people, like you said, they have a surface understanding of it. Mm -hmm. But until you're actually in it and do it, it's impossible to understand. So thank you for shedding a little light on that. And we'll get you out of here (laughs) on a more positive note. (laughs) What is your favorite part about being in the hospitality industry? I would say the hospitality industry just has like really fun energy. I think I was drawn to the industry because it's super creative. It feels like you're with family. Um, yeah, I guess back of house, like when you're working, like the people you work with, you grow to just like have lifelong friendships with. And yeah, I think there's like, it's almost like we're, I, I think in most of my food industry jobs, it's like you are on a team like it feels almost like a sport it reminds me of like playing sports and being on teams um and I think that's part of the reason I chose the industry um because it's not about like a singular person it's about the whole team and like what you can do together yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. well that is a beautiful way to wrap this up so before we get you out here I got we got to get the answer to the question we asked earlier did you find the Cuban sandwich shop. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, tortas at Sam's Leon, um, which is off of 20th Street. Okay. It is 5014 South 20th Street, um, really close to that um, 24th Street strip. They have really good tacos, and really their whole menu is amazing, um, but worth trying for sure. Okay. Trying those sandwiches. Well, there you go. If you want a good Cubano, go to Sam's Leon. If you want a good sweet or savory hand pie you go to Carter and Rye, that much is obvious. Open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays now. Yes. In the morning, I would recommend going earlier because they will sell out. They yeah. are very popular. They sell out, but you should go. You should always go, but especially go the week of the uh, November 18th to the 25th. That is when our special is going to be running. So remember, you go to restauranthoppin.com, you click the subscribe link. And you will receive a code that will get you a free brown sugar ham pie with any other ham pie purchase. And you get to see Kate. Yeah. And you get to meet come, her. Come and see me. Li- just listen to her energy. <laughs> Who doesn't want to meet Kate? Come on now. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a real pleasure. This was really fun. Thanks for having me. No problem. As a reminder, don't forget to go to piedmontese.com and use my promo code 
Hoppen. That's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, Hoppen, to get 25% off your order. And as always, Omaha, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.